Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Amen, amen. I want to talk to you tonight about abundant life. Any takers? Abundant life. Suppose I were to say to you, I can offer you a life that gives you joy beyond words. Or blessings untold. Or assurance of eternal glory and peace that passes all understanding. Anybody interested? Any takers here tonight? Amen. Well, I've got some good news for you and I've got some bad news for you. You want the bad news first? I can't offer you that. And neither can any of the 8,747 false gods known worldwide. They can't. Now the good news, I know someone who can. Anybody know his name? Look at John's Gospel, chapter 10 and verse 10. The thief comes not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. You see, the enemy comes for what reason? For what purpose? To crush our hopes, shatter our dreams, to wreak havoc in our lives. Has anybody been challenged uh, along those lines at all? Sure, many have been sorely challenged by the enemy. But Jesus said, I came to give you life and that more abundantly. That means he came to provide for us a means by which we can experience abundant life. He made provisions for us to experience it. But it's up to us, of course, to tap into it. Now, my question is, did he succeed or did he not? I believe he did. Because he said, Father, I have glorified you on the earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. Now glorify me with the glory that I had with you before I left the glory world behind. And so that means he accomplished his purpose. He came to kill, to destroy the works of the devil, and he did exactly that. It made it possible for people to experience the abundant life that God wants us all to have. Now, again, the downside is, of course, it's not automatic. It doesn't just happen because he achieved success. It happens because we learn certain principles and we follow the guidelines. And we walk in the ways that he wants us to walk in. And that's for every single one of us to do, to follow. So it's important we understand that if we study what he taught, then we can learn certain keys that will help us experience the abundant life that he's provided for us. A lot of these are found in John chapter 15, and we'll see some of those in just a moment. But first and foremost, I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, because the first key of these six keys we're going to share is the key of understanding that bearing fruit, bearing fruit is what life is all about. Number one. We live to bear fruit. Fruit bearing is the first key to experience an abundant life. And God blessed them after making Adam and Eve and said to them, be what? Be fruitful. First thing he said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. He didn't stop there because he also then said, and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So we see that he created them and said, now look, 
Life is about being fruitful. Yes, be fruitful. In other words, have, raise up a, rear up a godly seed. That's fine. But also exercise dominion over all the enemy and everything that exists, all that I've created. Remember, the tree was a tree, a knowledge of good and evil. Absolutely. Because they ate of the fruit of the tree. What did they do? They disconnected from God, didn't they? So they couldn't be as fruitful or as productive as he wanted them to be. Not because of anything he did, but because of something that they did. They disconnected. And oh, what a fall it was. Spirit separated from God. Soul lost the mind and the knowledge of God. Body became mortal subject to death. And that's what happened to man. Well, God hasn't changed his program. Because if you'll see here in John's Gospel, chapter 15, the first five verses, Jesus also talked about being fruitful. Look what he said. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth what? More fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me, and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do what? Absolutely nothing. Well, let's see how this plays out then when it comes to us experiencing, let's say, joy. Or experiencing blessings, assurance, and peace. Because you see, Jesus taught Paul some things about fruit bearing. And what fruit bearing really looks like. And it might be different than what we think. But look at here in Romans, first of all, chapter 1 and verse 13. Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto that I might have some what? How many know he wasn't talking about apples or oranges? Or bananas? Or kiwi? He was talking about the fruit of people being saved by his ministry. Fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. So we see here, winning souls to Christ is a part of fruit bearing. So each and every one of us really can influence somebody for Christ. And sometimes we forget that's our main purpose for being alive right now on this planet. Is to be a positive influence to bring others into the family of God. Okay, number two. Romans 15 and verse 28. When therefore I have performed this, something he performed, and have sealed to them this what? Fruit, I will come by you into Spain. Here we see Paul helping others and sharing with others. As a result, he is saying, this is fruit. It's a labor of love. I am bearing fruit. By sharing, by giving, by helping, by being a blessing, by investing in the lives of other people. So we see winning souls. And we see sharing, whether it's our gifts, our talents, our abilities, our financial resources, whatever it might be to be a blessing. Maybe it's just your uh, being there to help somebody and so on. And then thirdly, notice in Second Peter chapter 1. And beside this getting all diligence, add to your faith. Notice faith doesn't stand alone. Add to your faith what? Virtue, 
to virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor what? Unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So now he talks about fruit bearing as being someone who does what? He develops the character of Christ. So in this fruit bearing process, we're wanting to win souls. We're wanting to be a blessing to other people and help other people in different ways we possibly can. And we're also concentrating on developing Christ-like character. That's part of the fruit bearing process. But look at the last one. Hebrews 13, 15, and this is what we've really been talking about recently. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the what? The fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. You ever think about that as being a fruit, a bearing thing? That constantly, daily, thank you, Father, for another day. Thank you for your faithfulness at night, your loving kindness in the morning. Thank you that I can breathe air another day. And thank you that I can serve you again today. Walk with you, honor you, obey you, do your will. So we can see that these are four areas of fruit bearing that's important to every single one of us as a believer. Because we don't want to be unfruitful. Why? Because an unfruitful branch is not really good for anything, Jesus said. Isn't that true? Isn't that what he said? But to be removed and cast into the fire. Who wants that? None of us. Well, what are the benefits then of fruit bearing? Let's see if this plays out. Look at 3 John chapter 4, or 3 John verse 4. I have no greater, what? You want a life of joy? Joy that's beyond words? I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. The people that I brought to Christ walking in truth. Brother Jim, when you think about Fellowship of Christian Athletes and you see these young people coming and growing and maturing in the things of God, what does that do to your heart? It's, and especially if you see someone come in that maybe didn't know Christ when they come into a meeting and they give their heart to Jesus, what does that do to your heart? Is there a joy? When you lead someone to Christ, what happens in you? Man, there's a joy beyond words, is there not? Amen. So we see if we want an abundant life, a life that's filled with joy beyond words, share Christ with somebody. Let them know how good God really is. And then, Acts chapter 20, verse 35. Look at this. The next one is blessings, untold blessings. I have showed you all things, how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak, and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Blessings untold. Untold blessings are provided for the giver. We develop an attitude of giving. And guess what? God gives back to you more than you can even begin to imagine. When we commit ourselves to being a fruitful giver, giving of ourselves, whether a person is weak, in need of help, whether they're poor, Whatever the need might be, you give. And when you give of yourself, that's being fruitful as a believer. And what does he say? It's more blessed to give than to receive. But he'll see to it that he that gives to the poor lends to the Lord. And the Lord will repay him. Can you imagine that? 
I don't know about you, but if I just gave some money to somebody, say $20 to somebody, go get some gas in your car, and he gives me a, a, just a chunk of glory, <laughs> what, would you, what would you rather have? I'll take the glory any day. What about you? Divine enablement, divine power, absolutely. But give and praise God, you'll be blessed. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1 once again. We go back and read these other verses. Now we're talking about assurance of everlasting glory. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor what? Unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're talking about fruit bearing. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fail or fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into everlasting, notice this, kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the assurance he's talking about. Do we want to be sure? There it is right there. You're developing Christ-like character. You're serving the Lord with your life. You're giving to other people. You're leading people to Christ. And because you're developing this character, he said, if these things be in you and abound in you, you're not going to be barren or unfruitful. And there is for you the assurance of everlasting glory in his kingdom. Wow. Does it get better than that? I don't think so. And then, of course, there's that peace. Abundant life includes peace. Look at Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. And it says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with what? Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Okay, so look, look at this way. You're, you're bearing fruit when it comes to even your prayer life. You're bearing the fruit of giving thanks to God. You're going through a difficult situation. You're really being tried sorely. But what are you going to do? You know, Lord, I need your help. I need your divine intervention. Can't go it alone. I need direction. I need understanding. I need to know what you want me to do in this given situation. So I'm turning it over to you completely. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm giving it over to you. And I believe that as I give it to you, you hear me, and I know I have it, so I'm going to thank you. I'm thanking you for whatever it is that you needed from God. I'm going to thank you and thank you and thank you and thank you and thank you. What takes over? Peace that passes all understanding. So there it is. There's the peace that we get because we believe God. And you know, he wants us to believe him. He wants us to believe he's bigger than our problems, greater than the situations we encounter in life. No matter what it is that we might be going through, he's bigger than that. He doesn't want us to worry. He doesn't want to be overwhelmed. He wants us to look to him and just say, I trust you. I simply trust you, Lord. And so I'm thanking you. I know it may look difficult. I know it looks impossible from the natural perspective. But I'm looking beyond what my eyes see. I'm looking beyond what my ears hear. I'm looking beyond what I can feel, taste, or smell. I'm looking beyond the veil. Hallelujah. Because I know beyond the veil, there is a joy unspeakable, full of glory, as I thank you and praise you, and that you will inhabit my praise, and that you'll meet my every need. So I'm just thanking you, Father. I trust in you. Praise God. All right, so number one, be fruit-bearing. Be someone who bears fruit. 
Well, you might be thinking right now, well, how am I going to do that? Can I really do that in my own strength or ability? I don't have much confidence in myself. Well, I'm glad you said that because the key to fruit bearing is abiding. It's abiding. That's the key to fruit bearing. Are you abiding in the vine tonight? If you've made him your Savior and your Lord, then you are abiding in the vine. And you are a fruit-bearing branch in the vine. So, look at John's Gospel, chapter 15 again. Let's start with verse 4. And I notice how many times he says, abide in these verses. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. So, don't, we can't do it in our own strength. We can't do it in our own ability. It's beyond us. It's beyond our resources. But we're not alone. Praise God. We're not on our own. He goes on to say, No more can ye except you abide in me. I am, well, well first I'll back up, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Here it is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. As the Father had loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. Anybody count those abides? I think there's nine. There are about nine times he uses the word abide or abideth in those verses. You think there's something important here? They say if he says something twice, it's important. But nine times he talks about abiding, abiding, abiding. So what does abide mean? It means to be connected to. Connected to. We are connected to him. Remember in the beginning we said man was disconnected from God Almighty? And that led to what? All kind of upheaval and peril and destruction. Open up the door to every evil that we encounter in this world. People want to know why all these tragedies are happening because we live in a fallen world. And God is not behind it. Sometimes you would like to get on a, some kind of a system where you can reach every insurance agency in all the world and say, no. It's not an act of God. Act of the devil, so pay up. How about it? Amen. <laughs> Absolutely. What Jesus is saying here, look, you're not going to be fruitful if you're disconnected. All you need to do is stay connected. Just fellowship with him. Love on him. Simple enough just to say, Father, thank you as I get up in the morning that your spirit of obedience rests upon me today. I'm connected to the vine. Jesus' life is in me. His blood's flowing through me. And praise God, I'm not alone. So I'm going to abide in him today and live out my life in such a way so as to honor you because I know separate from him, what can I do? Absolutely nothing. Now, look how simple that is. You cut off a branch of an apple tree, what's it going to produce? Nothing, because there's no life flowing into it from the vine. And so it's as simple as that. Just stay connected. Stay hooked up with Jesus. Learn of him. He said, come and learn of me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Right? Light and easy, he said. So if it's hard and burdensome, 
Obviously, something is wrong here. It's light and easy. I'm just going to follow you. I'm going to walk with you, listen to the voice of your spirit, the voice of your word, and do whatever it is that you've asked me to do. These principles are extremely important to our success as far as living an abundant life and truly honoring him in a way that he deserves to be honored from all of us. And I think in the church today, some of this is missing. You know, we just want to get rich quick. I'll be honest with you. I got so infuriated the other night. Kind of got woke. I was, I was awakened early in the morning, like 3 o'clock in the morning. So I put on one of the programs. And this guy, this preacher, is just preaching away, man. And then he stops and says, you know, I don't normally ask for this. But this is, I believe, what God wants me to do. Now, first of all, I don't like being up 3 o'clock in the morning. I don't know about you, but... I'd rather be sleeping at that time. But to hear a preacher say, did you ever read Jeremiah 33.3? Yeah, call upon me and I'll answer thee and show thee great and mighty things. It's his phone number, right? Call upon me and I will answer thee. He said, but I really believe that God wants me to tell you to give $333 based on that Bible verse. I just, I thought, do I have to listen to this? And if you don't, oh, you're going to miss out on this tremendous window of opportunity that all these things are going to happen. Man, I don't know about you, but I would say be led of the Spirit of God as to what you should do with your giving. And if he speaks to you to give a certain amount to support this program, to support this work, then go ahead and do it. I've been here for 38 years. I've never asked anyone to give $1,000, $2,000, $500 to any cause, to any purpose, or anything of that nature. Never, 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 and I never will. Because if God can't fund his work, then who can? Just present it. We have a maintenance fund. We thank God for that. The church has been paid off as a result. Thank God for that. Aren't you glad that the church is all paid off? We are a debt-free church. Amen. But... When you hear something like that, you just wonder, no wonder people turn it off. And they don't want to hear it because all you're doing is making a plea for money. But you're basically merchandising the anointing by doing that. God is telling you in the Bible verse, Jeremiah 33, 3, give $333. What about I give 33 cents, point three? I'm sorry, I had to get that out. I just had to get it off my chest. <laughs> See, Paul knew... That abiding in Christ is what empowers us to live fruitful lives. Look at these next verses. Look at Philippians 4.13. It empowers us. You're not doing it on your own. You're not conquering on your own. There is a divine power that's at work in you and in me that enables us to do the work of God and fulfill the purpose of God and to live an abundant life. I can do all things through whom? Who does what? Christ, who strengthens me. I, it's personal. Can, it's positive. Do, it's practical. All things, it's pervasive. Through Christ, it's providential. Who strengthens me is powerful. You're not doing it on your own. I'm not doing it on my own. So even if you find yourself or hear yourself saying, I don't know that I can really do this job, or I don't know if I can really do that. I don't know if I can really live the way he wants me to live. Stop right there. You can do all things. Through Christ, who equips you, who all you have to do is just say, Jesus, I'm abiding in you. I am really sorely challenged right now in this particular area of my life. 
I'm asking you for the strength that I need to overcome. And guess what? He will strengthen you. He will empower you. He will equip you. He will enable you to do what you need to do. Next, Ephesians chapter 1. Not only did the apostle Paul understand the need to have this power, he wanted us to have an understanding of our need to walk in the same power. You see, this abiding, what it does is empowers us. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe who he wrought in Christ according to the working of his mighty power that he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places far above all principalities, powers, and might, every name of his name. Not on this world, but also on that which is to come. So what he's saying is this, look, I know I could do all things through Christ. In other words, I'm finding myself in all kind of difficult situations, so all kind of difficult circumstances. Imagine having to go through what the Apostle Paul had to go through in his life when he walked here upon this earth, being in prison, being beat, being whipped with uh, cat of nine tails, how many times, five times, three times, with rods, in prison time after time after time after time, and yet... He says, no matter what circumstance I'm in, I can do all things through Christ, who is my strength. He's my strength. He's my divine enablement. He's my ability. I can do it. And he says, I'm praying that your eyes will be open to it too. He's what he's saying. So that you can see it. You can't do it in your own strength. You can't do it in your own power. Apart from him, you can do what? Nothing but abiding in him. Praise God, we can do all things through Christ, who is our strength. Number three. Very important to today, today's culture. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, New Living Translation. Look at what it says. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves, greedy people, or drunkards or abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Now notice this. Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. Oh, somebody say amen. You were made holy. You are holy right now, positionally, and you're practically carrying it out. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God, a mighty Power is manifested when you connect to the vine that no matter what your past was, he gives you a brighter future. He wipes out the past, praise God, and gives you a future of glory. And so no matter what a person thinks about themselves, about their gender identity, about their past practices and all that, just come to Christ, come to the vine, get hooked up, get connected, and there'll be a live wire. The fire of God's glory will absolutely purge your soul, deliver you, set you free, get you on the right path, walking with Him in glory. And you're a new creation in Christ Jesus, and all that is done away with, it's all gone. It's power to do what? Transform any human life. And it will do that. It will transform. And what about this one? Power to conquer. Power. Look at Romans. Romans, power to absolutely conquer whatever it is that we're challenged with. For you've not received the spirit of bondage again, the fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry out a father. So now you see there's a connection. There's a divine connection. He's your father. The spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children then heirs... 
Heirs of God, join us with Jesus, if so be that we suffer with him, we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings, the challenges, the situations we encounter in of this present time are not worthy to be compared to, with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Okay, so yeah, we're going to be challenged along the way, but remember, keep this in the back of our minds. Now, let's move on and read on down to 35. Verse 35. So, because God is for us, no one can be against us. And because God gave up his son Jesus to die for us, how will he withhold anything from us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? No. Distress? No. Persecution? No. Famine? No. Nakedness? No. Peril? No. Sword? No. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in half of these things... In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. What are we? More than. See, in him that is, through him that loved us, not on our own. For I am persuaded, Paul says, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, principalities, powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, or any such creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Notice, no separation. Yes, many challenges that we face may make us feel like as though we're separated, but guess what? Those feelings and emotions are not to be governing our lives. I may not feel his presence, but I know that he's here. I exalt his integrity and word above my feelings and emotions just because I'm being challenged right now. And Paul said, I learned this, how to be independent of any circumstance I encounter or face in this life. And that's how he lived his life. So, nothing can separate us from the love of God. So, one, number one, we're to be fruit-bearing, branches in the vine, right? And how do we bear fruit? By abiding in the vine, abiding in him. Every single day, just staying connected. Jesus, I need you today. Simple as that, I need you today, Lord. Every day. Oh, empower me today. Live through me today. Help me today. Anoint me today. I need you today. Just declare it. I believe I receive this divine enablement and empowerment. But then how do I abide? Well, the key to abiding is what? Obeying. Obeying is the key to abiding. We're going to show you that in Scripture. Look at um, John 15, 10. This is the first part, the A part. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. How are we going to abide in his love? Keeping his commandments. Well, is his commandment hard to keep? What's his commandment? Love one another. As I have loved you. How difficult is that? Make a decision and please listen to me. Loving God and loving people is a decision and a principle. It is not a feeling and it's not an emotion. If you recall when you first met that love of your life. How you got weak need. And overwhelmed. And I mean to tell you that all these Feelings and emotions, you know, that first took place. 
and you felt all those wonderful feelings deep from within your soul and so excited, but I'm so in love and I'm so in love. And 25 years later, after you've been married for 25 years, I don't know that your knees are weak anymore. You just love, <laughs> you just love each other based on principle, based on decision that you committed yourself to one another for the rest of your lives. You may convey it. You may say, I love you, but not necessarily to have all those same initial feelings once again that just, you know, make you crazy with that person. But you still love, don't you? So when he says you abide in my love, I'm making a decision to love the Lord, but also to love people unconditionally. It doesn't matter what they do to me. It matters what I do to them. It doesn't matter what they say to me. It matters what I say to them. It matters how I respond, my reactions, no matter what. You say, well, why should we do that? Paul said people thought he was mad because that's how he lived his life. But truth be told, he wasn't mad. He was glad. Because he walked in love, God was always there to bail him out, to deliver him, make him whole, set him free. And when we choose the path of love, faith works by love. And so we love God and we love people. We make a decision to love people. doesn't matter how we feel. So we abide in his love. So abiding helps us obey. Look at the next one, John 15 and verse 14. Here. By obeying, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. My what? Friend. You know, when, when the Bible talks about friend, it's talking about a blood covenant partner. You realize that? You are my blood covenant partner. And because of that, I've got you covered. I've got your back. I'm in covenant with you. And I am your friend. So in other words, you mess with me, you mess with my friend Jesus. You realize that? Absolutely. He's got us covered. He's got our back. And why? Because I'm walking, I'm abiding in him. And I'm obeying his laws, his statutes, his commandments, and his judgments. And then thirdly, the next one, 1 John 3 and verse 24. Look at these verse, this verse. He that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us. So when a person keeps his commandments, what does he do? He dwells in him or he abides in him or he stays connected to him. So in other words, if we're walking around in bitterness and unforgiveness, there's a little bit of a disconnect there. Can you see that? If we're living in open and blatant sin, there's a disconnect there. Not, not, this is, I'm not saying you lost your salvation. I'm just saying there's a disconnect with regard to the divine power flowing into your life and, and manifesting abundant life that he's talking about. So it's important that we understand the need to obey. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Absolutely. So it's better to obey than it is to have to offer a sacrifice. Okay, abiding through obeying principle. Look at John and look at verse uh, chapter 15 once again, 10. Look at the second part of that same verse that we read. Jesus practiced this principle himself. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Now notice, even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. He's not telling us to do something that he did not do himself. He kept his father's commandments. He was obedient. 
And therefore, he was abiding, continuing in, dwelling in, staying connected to the love of the Father by doing that. And what a safe place to be in, surrounded by the very love of God. Hallelujah. All right, look at 1 John 2. Now, you ready for your challenge? This, this verse has challenged me uh, all my life as a Christian. Oh, my. Ready for it? Here we go. And hereby we do know that we know him. If we keep his commandments, he that saith I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby we know that we are in him connected. You ready for it? He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. If that's not a humbling statement, I don't know what is. Do you abide in him? Then what's he saying? We ought to walk as he walked. In obedience to the Father's will. Fruit bearing needs abiding. The key to abiding is obeying. As we obey, we open the door to the blessings of God for joy, blessings, assurance, and peace in our lives. Now, these are three. But look at this, this last one in the book of Isaiah. Because you see this is also an Old Testament principle. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Aren't you glad that that's fulfilled in us? Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. In other words, you shall have abundant life. Remember he said, I place before you life and death, blessing, cursing, good and evil. Choose life that you may live and your seed may live and I will bless you in the land where I'm sending you. God's purpose and intent was always to bless his children beyond their wildest dreams and imaginations. See, the dream crusher and shatterer is the devil, but not God. No, he wants to give us a vision of a life with him of glory, peace, joy, provision, assurance. I don't know about you, but to walk around this earth knowing I've got assurance that if I were to leave my body right now, I'd go to be with him in glory is a wonderful thing. What about for you? It's a wonderful thing to know that, isn't it? Praise God, because all this is left behind, and we're with him in glory. And we're not headed to a lake of fire. Whew, who wants to be there? He goes on to say, but if you refuse and rebel, see, the choice is ours. You shall be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Wow. So if we truly desire abundant life, and we want to walk in that realm of abundant life, then it's up to us to be they make a decision to be fruit-bearing branches in the vine, abiding in the vine, that's the key, and then obeying. The key to abiding is obeying. Those are the first three keys of the six. You're going to have to wait for part two next week. We'll talk about maybe Sunday. I'm not sure, but maybe next week. But it's so important for us in this culture today to start recognizing these truths because all you hear anymore, it seems like, and trust me, I'm believing in, I believe in a God who heals, who delivers, who sets free, who provides prosperity just as much as anybody else. But you know, 
We can't just put that message out there alone. There's some foundational truths that have got to be shared with the body of Christ to let them know that God expects certain things from us. But the thing is, he empowers us to do the things he expects us to do. It's not like we do it on our own. We walk with him by faith, in love, abiding in the vine as a fruit-bearing branch, carrying out his will, being obedient to his laws, his commandments. And really, in the New Testament, it's the law of love. Someone once said to me, we're not under the Mosaic law. We don't have to keep the Ten Commandments. I said, I know you're under a higher law, the law of love. Incorporated into that law of love are the Ten Commandments. They looked at me like, what? I said, read Romans chapter 13. Read what it says. Can we pull that up? Romans 13. Some around verse 8. If we could do that, we'll just look at some, a few of these verses and we'll close. Uh, and read it right on through probably to the end. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Next verse, if we can read off to the end. So, as we make a decision to, bring, to being fruit-bearing branches in the vine and commit ourselves to be obedient to do His will and love as He wants us to love, love one another, then notice, we're in, first of all, we're indebted to do it. It's up to us to love as He has loved us, as He laid down His life for us. But if we'll do that, we will fulfill even the Mosaic law. Let me get it to you from uh, good old faithful. How about it? Romans 13, there it is. Oh, no man, anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet, and if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting or drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife or in, in envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. I think that's pretty clear, wouldn't you say? So, we're not under the Mosaic law, no. But we're under the law of love and there's a higher law. And in that higher law of love, we fulfill the Mosaic law. Because he fulfilled that law for us and love is the fulfillment of the law. So, we'll miss the mark along the way. But aren't you glad that there's the blood that was shed for you to cleanse yourself from anything when you miss the mark along the way? Amen. So am I. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound. 
and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence to God first and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. And I'll accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.